Hello and welcome to Stirring the Pot Entertainment Institute's premier edutainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek, the first and the last. And today we have a very special episode, an interview with Lori, a.k.a. Kaze Illustrations, author of Windswept on Webtoons. Now to Sam with the interview. Enjoy. Um, hi, it's Samantha. Um, I don't know why I said my whole name. I'm very nervous about this interview. Um, but it's Sam from The Stirring the Pot. Today we'll be interviewing Lori from Kaze Illustrations, author of Windswept on Webtoon. Very eloquent. Sorry, you, you've, been a, you've been doing such a good job. Um, but yes, today we'll be asking you some interview questions because you have a shoujo like comic and it's shoujo September. So we'll just get right into the questions. So one, um, when did you start working on Windswept? So Windswept as we know it, as the actual comic, um, it became to it came to come together in June of 2020 after the world had come to an end during COVID. And I was like, I need to do something with my life. Mm -hmm. um, however, the earliest ideas and sketches came around in 2007 to 2008. Um, so if you do the math on my age, um, that puts me right about uh, around middle school, right? So um, I'm just kind of uh, fulfilling a middle school dream to create a comic that my younger self would be proud of. Hey, so doing the math, um, it's like roughly 2007, like 15 or so years, I think. Uh, yeah, about 15, 15 years ago. 18, 19, yeah, roughly. We'll round. We'll, we'll yeah, have around there. It's 2023, so yeah, yeah we'll do the math. Yeah, but yeah. Um, are there any concepts that you had to scrap from the original comic that you, that didn't quite fit with the overall story that you were trying to tell? So funny enough, um, Windswept used to be a shonen style monster hunting kind I of story, <laughs> except the catch was I could not draw monsters, and I never learned how to draw monsters, That's and I was true. just like, this is difficult. Um, I, I I never was able to get off the ground because I was so attached to my original ideas. Mm -hmm. And then um, eventually, like back in 2020, I realized I preferred character-driven stories. And I was like, well, I'm just going to scrap the entire monster hunting part of it and then just retain the characters and uh, the, the relationships that I had with, um, the, with each of them mm -hmm. and just write a story based on that. And I'm a lot happier that way. Uh, honestly, I feel like you're... Hi, everyone. If you haven't read, you haven't read Windswept, um, please do. It's lovely. I've been rereading it. It's amazing, and I love it. It's very sweet, and I really like. And then uh, talking about the characters, I really like how you write the characters. Um, and I wanted to. I just had a quick question in regards to how the how you kind of map out their relationships and how you kind of because you, you have so many characters. Mm -hmm. I think it's like maybe fifteen, maybe yeah, up yeah, to twenty. Yeah, about. Um, well, fourteen of the main cast that mm -hmm. I like to focus on, and then I have, at, I. I can't keep track of how many side characters I have, but I know I have a list of them somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I guess uh, part of the reason why I'm able to keep such consistent track of them is because I've been writing them for so long. Um, is there any kind of, because there are so many different characters and they have, all have different interper interpersonal relationships with each mm -hmm. other, is there any way that you keep track of like who's with who and like who's like has beef with who and like things like that? Or is it just kind of, you kind of know like just inherently? I kind of know inherently, but um, I do keep track of uh, other things. I, I like to keep notes. I try to stay organized if at all possible, mm -hmm. just to save some time because I'm kind of lazy. So I do have a document where I have uh, characters who appear in each chapter. So I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, this this character got screen time here. This character actually met this character here. So I'm not gonna do a retcon and say, oh, they actually met this character in this chapter mm -hmm. whenever they actually did meet much earlier on. So um, it is a little bit difficult to keep track of things, but because of the um, awesomeness of the Google Suite, 
notes. I'm able to <laughs> keep track of uh, who has seen who and who, um, like where each relationship level is at. But for the most part, it's memorized. I just use uh, notes as kind of a um, like reinforcement for That's what right. I already know. Nice. Um, let me see. What advice would you give someone who wants to start a comic? Like in regards to if like there are or like just kind of organizing because um, I recently started a comic in the, in the past few years actually um, it's very overwhelming it's oh, extremely yeah. overwhelming I just want to know if there's anything that you can kind of insight that you can give if to see what maybe to cut out to like mm -hmm. what's like kind of remove the bulk to make it a lot easier for people to start because I feel like a lot of problem with me and probably other people as well is that a lot of the times it's so overwhelming to start that you mm -hmm. kind of put it off. Well, I would say um, there's a few things I would say um, as far as advice for somebody who's wanting to start a comic goes. And um, it's really easy to have all these big, grandiose ideas of like things that you want to put into your story. But again, like you said, it gets overwhelming. So I think the main thing that a person who's wanting to start a comic should do. <laughs> I was going to say something really insightful that I didn't want it to be bothered by. That's, that's uh, perfectly fair. I think um, one of the main things somebody who's starting a comic should do is simplify the main idea down to its core. Mm -hmm. uh, for Windswept, it, the main idea is your life is enhanced by the connections that you make with other people. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason why I was able to shift from a shonen style monster hunting story to a more shoujo-esque uh, yeah. slice of life story because I kept that core idea. And not to become too attached to a single idea because things change. Mm -hmm. um, and if you get too attached to one thing just that simply isn't working, then you're never going to get your feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that um, I would recommend to anybody starting a comic would be to do some academic research, research screenplays, um, because screenplays are interesting in the fact that you are like a director directing your actors mm -hmm. and your cinematographers how you want to shoot a scene and that's kind of what you need to do with a comic uh, i mean that's the analogy i like to use there's a lot of other talks on the subject but that's what i would do i would um, definitely do some academic um, reading on how a screenwriter should write a screenplay mm -hmm. um, or even how comic book writers write their comic books and mm -hmm. also i think uh, there's a benefit to learning through observation as well mm -hmm. It's funny because you mentioned that and I was like, oh, I remember specifically when I started working at my comic as well. Um, I kept on looking at trying to look up different camera angles mm -hmm. because I noticed that when I was drawing, it's like, OK, here's a character sitting this way and now they're here and now they're here. Mm -hmm. And then we're talking here and then back and forth. Mm -hmm. And that gets really boring. Um, so I really appreciate you adding that additional part. Right, like, right. I feel like even just starting like doing that kind of research, I didn't even think to do because mm -hmm. I'm like. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm mm -hmm. just doing a simple story. But I feel mm -hmm. that's just very helpful to, like, gain more. Mm -hmm. To make you, give you more, like, confidence into actually starting the story. Right. And then whenever you're watching films, if you, if you ever notice how every single shot is set up, every single shot tells you a specific story about what is happening in that moment mm -hmm. in time. More so than any form of dialogue or any kind of audio. Like, just the visual aspect of it does say a lot. So depending on how close you are to a character in proximity to... Mm -hmm another one whether another person is like seen with over somebody else's over the shoulder shot mm -hmm. you know that says something about mm -hmm. what you want to communicate as the director or in this case comic artist mm -hmm. so there's a lot of um like different storytelling facets that go into comic book writing that is just i don't know i think that's a unique medium mm -hmm. and i really like it a lot um so the next question um why so, wait no hold on um what was your time in school like anything like Winsept, the, the the rival art clubs etc 
Well, I went to a very small high school, so I didn't have like daily windswept style antics at my school, but I did get to go to two yearly fine arts competitions. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say right now, me and my entire high school, we were all very mediocre at the stuff that we did. But mm -hmm. for some reason, we thought it was, um, I don't know. We, <laughs> when, you're in, when you're in high school and you're like in like kind of a child, when you're a child, you feel like you're on top of the world and everything you do is like kind of like, like important right so I right like, i feel it's easier to get in that mindset even though in hindsight over the grand scheme of things it might not be no yeah. it's not um and we were incredibly mediocre but for some reason we still saw all the other high schools as rival schools That's and <laughs> it, there's just something really fun about getting pumped to do something mm -hmm. and then going through with it and um, I think that's where I draw a lot of the inspiration from with Winswift, like just being involved with a group and then um, wanting to, I guess, defeat your enemies or something yeah. like that. You know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of play with that idea. But in college, I will say that um, a lot of the majors, um, the, they would ha they would all think that they were better than one another for no reason. And I just, no, yeah. I thought that was a great <laughs> source of comedy. So I, I kind of like took that and ran with it. I love that. The thing is, you, so you mentioned that, I was like, oh, I feel like that is, even like now, even like all like the memes and like videos and stuff, it's just like, yeah, business majors are like this, or like chem majors, and it's like kind of like stereotyping within themselves, and there's like their own little like homogenized cliques for right. some reason, even though it's like we're all like, you know, some 20-somethings who are just kind of like figuring it out. Exactly, exactly. And some people's majors might not even be their majors mm -hmm. when they finish, so... Um, but I do like that. The mm -hmm. thing is, I agree. I feel like my high school was, like, not necessarily similar, but it was, like, it's similar in the way where everyone was kind of mediocre and everything because we're children. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like that aspect, there, there's not much happened. So I feel like it was really, so reading Windswept, I'm like, I was like, no, this isn't the same thing about you, but I was like, oh, yeah, you must have had a fantastical high school experience. <laughs> oh, like, no. my high school experience was really boring. No, it was all very was idealized. Doing, all I was doing was just, like, studying yeah. and doing nothing. I didn't go to high school parties or anything. I was just really just straight lace, but yeah. Well, Windswept is kind of a way for me to, like, uh, vicariously live out mm -hmm. um, a cool high school experience. <laughs> and, like, whether it's cool or not, I don't really know. I mean, it would be kind of... um. Uh, self-serving to say that I think my comic is cool but would I have really liked to enjoy experiences like that absolutely mm -hmm. so it's just it's a it's another form of escapism I think for the reader or for somebody who didn't quite have that experience whenever they were younger in regards to it kind of being an escapism thing mm -hmm. is there any like inspiration that you had from what's up from like animes that you watch or like kind of media that you watch in general books like what inspired you to like in regards to the story well, um, it all goes back down to setting. And a lot of people ask, why is school setting? Like, why couldn't they, like, be in the workplace? Why couldn't they have been in college? Well, school is convenient. Um, everybody's there all in the same place. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to think too hard about somebody else crossing paths with another character. Mm -hmm. But school, I, at least to me, was a time where I didn't have to worry about my bills. All I had to do was worry about good grades, mm -hmm. um, making sure that I uh, made my parents proud. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there was not a whole lot that I really had to worry about. Mm -hmm. And I think that that um, it's kind of a, a beautiful way to kind of develop a character is in that setting where they don't have as much to worry about mm -hmm. and they get to focus on who they are as a person. So that's why I chose a school setting. That is lovely. Thank you. <laughs> that was so eloquent. I, I love that. The thing is, because you're right, I feel like, I feel like some, sorry, I feel like with some certain like, um, some like shows and like movies, etc. I feel like the setting of them being in school doesn't make any sense because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you want them to be like drinking and partying and all this. I'm like, you can just have them in college. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you have to kind of work around like kind of the uh, like 
you have to kind of like pretend that they're not in high school mm-hmm. for this to be believable or like they have like kind of neglectful parents or whatever but i feel like i think it's like so i'm like at euphoria a bit because i was gonna say i i am thinking of a specific show so. yeah and i feel like it's like you could just have them somewhere else mm-hmm. like you like the school isn't inherent to them and i feel like it it makes a bigger problem with them being in school so you might as well just have a different air setting but i feel like because of the characters being so interdependent mm-hmm. on like their relations with each other and them growing from that. I feel mm-hmm. like them being at school and having no words except for their interpersonal relationships is great. It's just easy. It's easier <laughs> yeah. as well. I feel like, ah, the thing is, I gotta be real, I feel like Winslet is lovely. And oh, like, even, even if it wasn't, like, I feel like, sorry, one of the questions is like, have you had any other like thoughts outside of like, like if they, like any kind of epilogues, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like even though Winslet, if it was like in like a coworker setting, I think it would still be great. Mm-hmm. But you. I feel like the like loveliness of not having to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about like an Agretzko S situation where they're like hate their job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all doing like 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 the main character Rikaito, she's just doing it because she doesn't have anything else. Yeah. She's kinda just like, I might as well do this. Mm-hmm. It's like and it's more fun. And I feel like it gives the character in itself like a purse like um a driving force mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, let's see, let's see. Um, why doesn't Rikaito want to be, sorry, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Um, why doesn't Rikaito want to be an official member of the student council? Um, is there any reason for that? Well, one of her issues in the beginning of the comic is, like, she has a refusal to be involved with any kind of student organization or any of her classmates. She just doesn't want to be a part of it all. And I think that gets explained a little bit later on Mm -hmm. about how, like, she's closed off and uh, why she just doesn't have that desire. Um, but as time passes and she does more like tasks for the student council, she does begin to open up and she does begin to have those interpersonal relationships with mm-hmm. other characters. But because she's incredibly stubborn mm-hmm. and she just she's really competitive, she refuses to see herself as an official student council member because doing that would be like admitting defeat. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, they wrote me into this and I like doing this and I, I refuse to let them take that W mm-hmm. because I am the I am the writer of my own story. Mm-hmm. And she just she really wants to have her own agency so much that she she doesn't want anyone to think that she's not doing something of her own volition. Mm-hmm. So. I think I really like sorry going, going pivoting to more character like mm-hmm. base questions. I really like that you have. Sorry, I feel this interview is turning into me just gushing over. No, it. no, I, I appreciate it. that. So Thank good. you. Read it. <laughs> it's on webtoons. Um, but I really like that. Sorry, a very like thing that I really like in shoujo's is a stubborn protagonist mm-hmm. um so and i really like how every decision that she's like she's still like very kind she's really intelligent mm-hmm. she's still like very driven she's funny um but i like that she has a stubbornness i feel like even though it's a flaw it's a positive flaw mm-hmm. i feel like it kind of gives her more independence and agency mm-hmm. so i really like the explanation that you had for that well thank you i think um a lot of times whenever and again this is going to go into some kind of academic discipline whenever you're writing Mm -hmm. I guess character driven stories so one of the um, most appealing things I think about characters whether they be in movies manga whatever is how they go from being maybe a terrible person to somebody who's good you know we get to see that progression of change or how Mm -hmm. a seemingly good character turns into a villain Mm -hmm. I think that's incredibly interesting Mm -hmm. and giving my main character that element of being stubborn shows like just how drastic um, that changes from the beginning to where I eventually want her to end up. It just it, it adds more weight to that change, and I think that's kind of a um, a powerful tool that you can use for developing a character. Okay, so so romance. There's implied romance, <laughs> but 
do you plan on having anyone definitively get together? Well, because, you know, I see Rikaito and Yuki, but I also see Yuki with Kaito. Yeah. And I was like, I remember the most recent, I, cause I, just remember, I remember that I stopped at a certain point, and I'm like, oh, so Kaito's blushing when he sees Yuki. <laughs> Interesting. What's that about? Yeah. Is there an issue? Is there a rivalry? Is there a romance? So um, whenever I enjoy a piece of media so much that I actually start shipping the characters together, I love to see how the different characters would interact with each other. And I love exploring those different possibilities, which is why Windswept is intentionally left up to the viewer to interpret the, some of those different character relationships. Now, there are some things that I do have planned for the end game, but they may not be what you expect. Nice, nice. Um, let me see, let me see. So the question that I was, that we I touched on earlier, would you ever do a time skip epilogue or are there going to be strictly high school antics? So. Like I mentioned before, high school is kind of a, fo a form of escapism for a lot of media. It, mm -hmm. it provides like a lot of fun antics and you know cool opportunities to have the characters interact with one another. Um, that being said, um, because I'm already using the high school setting as a way to establish those character relationships, I would absolutely love to do maybe a workplace comedy spinoff later in the future, mm -hmm. um, and about how where the characters end up whenever they're adults. And I, I just I. I really love that idea. I don't know when it would start. I don't know when I would take that off, but um, that is something that I've th thought of in depth because I'm really attached to these guys. I mean, I've yeah. been writing them for 15 years, so. They're very sweet. They're, they're, they're <laughs> sorry, I, I'm gonna go in a circle. But yeah, I really enjoy the, the, the relationship that everyone has with each other. It feels like a true friendship. Um, the thing is, I had a, sorry, not that I didn't have no friends in mm -hmm. high school. I had friends, and I was very friendly with people. But I feel like those the relationships I had in high school didn't outlast high school mm -hmm. because I feel like you have to be kind of a specific person to kind of indulge in those relationships sometimes. Because, like, in high school, you can be irresponsible. You can be, um, like, kind of reckless. But mm -hmm. me personally, the way that I was brought up, you kind of have to, like, grow up very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really keep the friends that I had who like would want to go partying, go to mm -hmm. the beach, and it's like I have work and school, mm -hmm. so you can't really like do that. So I feel like their relationship is so idealized, and I would love to see that relationship mm -hmm. go past mm -hmm. their high school days. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's no, not to influence you. But you know, no, you're right, and um, I think um, in a way I can kind of relate. Um, my high school friendships, I mean, I still talk to a few of the, mm -hmm. the folks I went to high school with. You know, we just catch up every now and then. Mm -hmm. I don't live near any of them, mm -hmm. um, but we still, we bond over the experiences that we had and mm -hmm. the memories that we shared. And it sounds very sweet and stuff, and it's true. I do value those experiences. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I would also kind of like to explore how that would realistically play out in a windswept setting. Maybe mm -hmm. you would go months without seeing your, your best friend from high yeah. school. Um, and then when you meet up, you catch up. Yeah, <laughs> maybe even years, but um, I, I still like the idea of them being able to catch up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Like nothing, like time hadn't even passed, mm -hmm. even when like life is happening and mm -hmm. everybody's going through different changes. And um, I, I, I would love to see what that looks like. Are there any secret references, Easter eggs, inside jokes that you put in the comic? Let's see. Well, occasionally I'll, I'll throw in some pop culture references, um, you know, from popular pieces of media. Like the first ones I think of are SpongeBob and Mob Psycho 100. I think um, uh, as a creator, you have the freedom to kind of throw in things that you like, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I do that just because I, I think it's fun. But uh, there are other gags that I have come up with that don't necessarily like refer to anything in pop culture. Mm -hmm. I just think it's funny to have recurring things that happen to characters, like walking into the student council acting silly, and you're like, wait, 
aren't they the serious like the most serious school yeah. organization like aren't they in charge here what are they doing they're wearing coconut bras yeah exactly like oh no we're doing something like really important right now what do you <laughs> need you know um i just i i think having those uh recurring comedic aspects mm. you know strengthen the story so my next question why are you so funny oh what am I- <laughs> sorry you're very funny in your comic i was sorry i was like so I was like, as we were talking, I'm like, there's a lot of just funny things in the comic because you're right. Um, I feel like me, I feel like I'm funnier in real life than I am in the comic. I feel like I have to intentionally make the comic funnier so it's not like super like harsh, I guess. So why are you so funny? I don't know. Um, I, I think that's a really, really hard question to answer. But I think it comes down to having to stay on top of... Um, I don't know, being able to banter with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like in high school, like I had to be really funny in order to keep up with my peers mm-hmm. because they were, I mean, they were, again, um, in retrospect, we were all very mediocre. Our humor was mediocre, <laughs> but unless like you were quick on the draw, then you would get left behind. That's and that's what it was like for me in college as well. You know, anytime I would interact with folks, I would I would have to make sure that um, my responses were, were pretty quick. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I could make them laugh, then I could make them like me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's why everybody uses humor as a coping mechanism because you can get liked if you're funny, right? Um, <laughs> um, kind of to add to that, I was actually, believe it or not, on the school newspaper when I was in college and I was in charge of the comics for about sorry, three Dick, semesters. Sorry, Dick was also in the school newspaper. And the thing is, you know, I was talking about school newspaper, like antics and drama and stuff. He's behind the camera, so he can't say any of these things. <laughs> but he would just like talk about like just random school antics that mm-hmm. he would have to occur because he had to go to all the school events. Because he was editor-in-chief show off overachiever yeah no that's awesome no i think um again with when you're writing a comic for um a university you have to be like really in tune with school culture Mm -hmm. some of the things some of the jokes that i made with my comics like if i were to show you them now probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense because Mm -hmm. it was very university specific and you had to be dialed in to what others were referring to or talking about or otherwise your comics weren't going to meet the intended audience yeah and um Bringing all of that into consideration, I think, has just kind of stuck with me for the remainder of my life. How can I make something appealing to everybody? Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody, obviously, but how can I make my work appealing to a broad spectrum of people, mm-hmm. as well as give them something to smile about, or give them a poke fun at life so that, you know, days aren't as difficult as it could be. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Again, um, I, I think I appreciate you saying that I'm really <laughs> no, no, funny. No. Like I, th- I think that's that's a real honor to me. Um, but that's just because I have my ear to the ground and I am a people pleaser. So. I get that. That's fair. <laughs> I noticed since you um, since you do a lot of sorry, we met through at Metricon 2020. I think we were like our, I think our boots are like across from each. No, it was 2021. One because 2020 we had it no was cons. canceled. Yes, everything was canceled. Oh, that was so depressing. Because <laughs> um, I remember we got accepted for 2020 and then it got moved to 2021. Yeah, but we were across from each other, so mm-hmm. it was really exciting. You had a lot of like artwork that I liked. So well, thank you. That's a bug. <laughs> sorry, we have the print like in our studio it's to inspire us well that means a lot to ensure that we get our work done (laughs) um but essentially um what so speaking of which what gives you inspiration um i don't know sorry the the question's sorry this is derek's question it's very vague so it could be about anything but art maybe yeah i'm gonna give that just a second to marinate i'm I'm gonna collect my thoughts there what inspires me let's see so um what inspires me what inspires me Mm, so i like to 
you know, this is kind of like a, a buzzword thing to say um, that's gotten popular in recent years, but I like to romanticize my own life because it's easy to get caught in the mundane. You know, you do the yeah. same routine daily. Maybe you have weekends off and you do the same thing every weekend. Mm -hmm. And um, it turns your life into like a blur, right? Like you, you don't have a whole lot of notable memories. You don't to... remember what you did last week. Right. You don't remember like, I'm going to like, sorry, we go to the farmer's market like every, we try to go every Saturday. Mm -hmm. And that's like one of the main highlights mm -hmm. in a whole other blurred week. So that makes sense. Right. And um, I think that's the reason why a lot of people journal so that they can um, give themselves like milestones to remember mm -hmm. or something cool that happened to them. Because too often I found with, um, older folks or folks that have lived their careers and have like families and have grandchildren and stuff like that, they find that they say that the time goes by so quickly. And to feel like you've lost that time is kind of depressing to me. So um, I like to make sure that every part of my life is cool and interesting, even if it is mundane. Mm -hmm. Like I go home, I, I, I come home from work, I hang out with my dog, I watch some anime with my husband. It doesn't sound very interesting, but, um, finding the magic in those everyday moments like oh you know my dog rolled over and did something like really cute and you know um, my husband made me laugh with some joke that he made about the anime we were watching like um, those small moments of beauty I think um, give me the inspiration I need to make something like a slice of life story really interesting mm -hmm. but that's what I do personally um so you mentioned that and I was like the uh the aspects of Sorry, because, because I had a lot of, like, I had a lot of jobs. No, sorry, looking back, I'm like, oh, Sam, you, I have a problem with staying at jobs. Unless I'm getting hired somewhere, then I'm great at working at a job. <laughs> um, but there's, like, a lot of the courses I had were a lot older, and a lot of them would always, like, since I was always, like, the baby of mm -hmm. the company relatively to all the older, like, middle-aged women mm -hmm. that I work with, she, they would always be like, yeah, you know, enjoy your youth and make sure that you, like, like enjoy your time and da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. Make sure you live every moment, every single day that you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the driving forces of me quitting those jobs mm -hmm. and, like, trying to pursue art full-time because mm -hmm. I don't want to be in an office space mm -hmm. my whole life answering a bunch of, like, call center, like, complaints. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I appreciate the advice that I've gotten mm -hmm. from that, so I'm not constantly, like, in a kind of rut right within myself so yeah <laughs> so sorry i feel like this is very a weirdly deep episode no no bearing yeah. my soul to the audience <laughs> same here and same here like you've got to be like thinking about my life philosophically no and just to piggyback off of what you said i have interacted with a lot of folks who have been married for 30 plus years and um i, I mentioned that because i whenever i got married um i got a lot of advice from relatives and from mm -hmm. people that we knew um that would tell us the time goes by so quickly so make sure you treasure it mm -hmm. that's why i choose to punctuate um like mundane events by uh picking out something that like really made me smile or really inspired me or having something to look forward to mm -hmm. even if it's just like a trip to the grocery store you know mm -hmm. how can I make that interesting and fulfilling mm -hmm. so uh, that's that's where I'm coming from just um, the people that I've talked to giving me input about uh, life just goes by too quickly to let it pass by out of curiosity what drew you to art like what was like what pathway that in your life where you're just like yeah I'm gonna be an artist like you're like I like I love drawing I love this this is the pathway I'm going on. This is gonna t this is gonna say a lot um, so don't do too much research on it but whenever I was um, a kid or I guess in my early academic years uh, there were comic strips inside the curriculum that I would study right it, but these comic strips would teach like values and like I, I guess 
uh, how to build character and mm -hmm. it would show like I guess children interacting with their parents or children act interacting with each other um, in a positive way and again I know that was used as a teaching tool to teach like good character traits but I thought that was such a cool thing to include like I would finish um, reading the story for um, English or whatever yeah. or um, language arts and then at the very end of that I would be rewarded with looking at a cute comic strip <laughs> that told a story throughout the entire chapter of that piece of curriculum. It's right or... right and then um, I was like this is really cool I can do that myself so I started doing that I think that was as early as maybe third grade mm -hmm. and then um, when I went, I think it was fifth grade, I met a girl who, um, we, we talk every now and then, that's how long ago like this was, and uh, she'd write Sonic comics um, that had, a, I guess, she would include me as a Sonic character, she'd that's write herself so as a Sonic character, it was really endearing, and I think um, those influences just from early on, like, inspired me to want to take it seriously and to learn, so um, when I was in the sixth grade, I went to um, the middle school in South Florida, and everybody else that did art was so cool, they had such awesome styles, um, I remember joining the anime club for the first time in the sixth grade and there's a few other girls there that were older and cooler they were in the seventh grade <laughs> and uh, I remember going up to them one day I think it was um before school started middle school started at like 9 a.m I think that's yeah. how it still is something yeah. like that and um I'd get dropped off early because my parents would be going to work early so I'd be hanging out in the cafeteria early on and so one day I work up the courage to talk to this really cool seventh grade girl who drew anime art and posted it on on DeviantArt, right? Nice. Yeah, OG. So, yeah, so um, I would go up to her and I would say, hey, um, do you have any advice on how to draw ears? For example, That's this is the one that stuck out to me and I have never forgotten since. And she told me, she took me seriously. She was very kind. She was like, oh, this little 11-year-old kid wants some help. No, um, we, again, we weren't that there yeah. wasn't that no, big I, of a difference. I feel like when you're in middle school, it's like anyone, uh, even like slightly older than you, it's like a drastic, like different world. She was also thing. a foot taller than me. So that's, I, so that's why I was just like, all right, you know what? Um, let me see if I can ask her for some advice. Maybe she'd give it to me. And she was so gracious. She said, you know, look here, you know, this isn't, and looking back on it, it's not like a perfect one-to-one -one comparison, but she really helped with proportions by saying the ear goes in between the bottom of the nose and then the top of the eye. And I was like, wow that really made a difference and again like it's not perfect it's not a one-to-one -one ratio for everybody but it was a good kind of guideline that she had given me so I think um, and this is kind of cliche but I think every person is a culmination of other people who have interacted with them in their lives and I think that I've just been so fortunate to be around people who encouraged me whenever I was younger to pursue art even in those silly little situations where I was in fifth grade and I had a classmate who drew sonic OCs and then you know when I was in the sixth grade and like older classmates would give me advice on how they drew things so um I think I I found a sense of fulfillment from that and I just I thought it was a lot of fun and I've never stopped finding it fun I'm glad the thing is um so you said that so so like like great so I keep on using eloquent because I love the way you speak <laughs> I feel like every I love talking to people who have like such an insightful way of like thinking about stuff um I don't I don't get out much that's very sweet uh, of you to say <laughs> I appreciate it but I feel like um similar to me I feel like even as an adult because the reason that I do art, um, sorry, my, my, when I was like growing up, I was very like a very studious kid and I was mm -hmm. like never planning on being an artist like a, as an actual career. I was going to be, I went to school to be like a lawyer. Mm -hmm. 
and I take it and I took anthropology classes and then mm. that kind of derailed um <laughs> but my parents a lot of the times they would sorry my parents at first didn't like this because they even though they liked that I drew mm-hmm. they didn't want me to be an artist right but I'm like this is your own fault because you would always look at my artwork and be like oh that's amazing you mm-hmm. put it on the fridge and like tell everybody about right. it right and I try to like be also that encouraging force with other young artists mm-hmm. because art can be discouraging mm-hmm. and it can be tiring but it's like so worth it in the end mm-hmm. and it's a skill that you as you practice and like it grows with you mm-hmm. and it's just that's just like a nice thing i feel like you said it perfectly where it's just like yeah it's a labor of love and like it i feel through art even with us mm-hmm. it like builds kind of relationships mm-hmm. so yeah no, well, thank you. Um, I, I'll kind of add to that a little bit. Um, I do appreciate you saying that I'm good at communication. Um, I course, remember yes. whenever I was younger, I was very quiet, very shy. And um, like every single teacher I had would give me like some kind of nickname equating like my personality with shyness and quietness. And, you know, it's not that um, I didn't mind being called quiet. You know, like it was to me a positive thing. They were like, oh, you know, this this child keeps her opinions to herself. That's very nice. I'm like, well, you know, I, guess. I was also very similar. The thing is. Um, my parents are very strict Caribbean parents and if I ever caused a fuss in school like not that I would yeah but if I ever caused a fuss in school they have an issue but I even then my personality was just also being very shy and quiet which I also feel like equated to like being thought of as smart yeah that's true because if you open your mouth all doubt will be you know let loose and no they're not as smart as they think they are Mm -hmm. but um, I'll go back to that and um, mention that um, I was known as quiet growing up, and I, I felt like a lot of my um, opinions and the things that mattered to me fell through the cracks in favor of those who were a little bit louder. Mm-hmm. So throughout high school and throughout all of college, I made it a goal of mine to make sure that I could communicate my ideas with somebody as clearly as possible so that they would respect me and so that they would acknowledge what I had to say, mm-hmm. which is why I worked really hard at making sure that I didn't clutter my speech with verbal clutter mm-hmm. like for lack of a better term mm-hmm. I don't remember like what the official word is yeah. it, again like I still struggle with it on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis but I do want to be taken seriously mm-hmm. and I think having clear communication is the best way to do that yeah. um <laughs> I worked really hard at it <laughs> <laughs> I deserve that um how do you escape any potential creative blocks you just let them happen um, you let them happen. Um, if you if you try to fight it too much, then you're going to burn out. So if you do have a creative block, it's okay. Just let it run its course. Take some time to watch something that you enjoy. Listen mm-hmm. to music you like. Um, cook a new recipe. Take a walk. Go somewhere you've never gone before. And then um, the ideas will fall back into place. It's just a matter of trusting the process, which I know is a tired and true uh, cliche thing to say, but I think that there's a lot of merit to it. And if you just let the blocks happen and to come down on its own, mm-hmm. then you'll be successful. No, I get that. Um, <laughs> similar with me, I feel like the way that I get a, the thing is because when you're an artist, your creative blocks kind of define when you get done that day. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, a lot of times I have to like kind of rush through it. But I'm like, sometimes the creative block is there because you need a break. Maybe mm-hmm. you're overworking yourself. Exactly. Maybe it's play Animal Crossing for a few hours mm-hmm. and come back. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing Animal Crossing a lot. I, as a kid, I never played video games. And now I'm like, oh, it's a good thing I did it because I would never get anything done. Right, right. But yeah, but a lot of times um, what I do is I would look up a bunch of arts, like a lot of artists on YouTube, and I would just watch them draw. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's like, I want to do that. And it would just help me yeah. as well. But that's two pieces of advice mm-hmm. to artists. Yeah, audience. taking a break is important and necessary. Yeah. So, if a, like, again, if a block happens, just let it run its course. The thing is, usually when it happens, I also feel like a hack sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, my hackiness, I, like, whenever any kind of hiccup happens in the process, I'm like, 
Sandy Orton, were you ever talented? <laughs> yeah. All those art pieces, that was 20 years of flukes. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Were, no, so, yeah. I, I get that. And imposter syndrome is real, and it does bother you. But if you can you can fi find a, a balance, a way to ground yourself, like when those situations happen or whenever those thoughts do bubble up, having some kind of mantra is helpful. And at, le at least normalizing yourself and keeping you from going insane. Mm -hmm. What's one piece of advice that you revealed that helped them? That, sorry, what's one piece of advice that they that you have received that helped you? Ooh, that's a good one. Sorry, um, you have the ear trick, but I don't know if you have any other, like... <laughs> no, that just, it, okay, so that unlocked an entire, so to reiterate what mm -hmm. I said before, um, the, the, the guide on how to create proper ear proportions that I learned in middle school mm -hmm. has affected me in the sense that I can learn from just about anybody. Mm -hmm. And that's the advice that I would give um, to anybody going forward. Um, the, it's to listen to the advice that you receive, whether it's solicited or not. Mm -hmm. um, you can learn something from everybody, and that's why I feel like I've been able to get as far as I have because I just listen to those various pieces from people that I've interacted with, whether it be actual art teachers or you know peers in the industry, um, random tutorials that you see online mm -hmm. that are actually pretty insightful, just to kind of absorb that and internalize it and then make it your own. Honestly, I feel like... A lot of the times, sorry, because like, as a kid, I had this preconceived notion that's like, yeah, I don't need to go to art school. Da, 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 da. I don't like, I don't want people to like stifle my creativity or mm -hmm. whatever. But I feel like being in an industry with like people have similar goals to you mm -hmm. and getting feedback from them and critiques from them help you improve. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't like hearing that you kind of not that you necessarily need art school, but I feel like a lot of times you kind of need the critiques you kind of right. need the input because if you're in your own bubble and you think mm -hmm. that yeah i'm the best artist in the world you're never gonna go past your limits right it's like anime training it's like shonen yeah training. and if you you never so if nobody's there to kind of like pull you back to the ground and tell you how to improve your work mm -hmm. um when it does come time if you decide to be competitive and mm -hmm. try to apply for jobs within like the creative field it's going to be really difficult for you to have um an advantage over others if you're not learning if you stay stuck in your own bubble like you said um, you're never going to improve and you're going to stifle yourself mm -hmm. so that's why i think it's important to make sure that you're learning no matter where you go yeah um let's see and now we're on to the student submitted questions all right this is exciting so, what do you remember being, sorry, what do you remember being your first creation and sparked your desire to create more? I think um, some of the earliest creations I can remember were those um, imitating three panel comic strips from curriculum that I was reading and studying mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I would see, I would see something in the, in the curriculum workbooks and say, you know what, I can be funnier. I can draw better than that. And so I did. And that was um, something that I really enjoyed doing. And uh, I really enjoyed showing it to my friends, making other people laugh with that. And it all started like in elementary school and mm -hmm. I've just never stopped doing that since. I'm just a little bit older. <laughs> <laughs> what other kind of mediums did you like kind of branch out to besides drawing essentially so drawings um funnily enough wasn't the main thing that i really wanted to do i wanted to tell stories through filmmaking mm -hmm. so that's what i studied i studied cinematography i watched movies i took notes on screenplays i read screenplays uh that was my i think my favorite thing at the time and i still have a very like soft spot for that kind of medium because it does not only require artistic ability but it requires a technical level of skill that i think is lost when people are really ambitious about their art they lose focus on how to make it technically good
good. Yeah. And so um, that would be uh, the main medium that I have explored outside of drawing. In uh, the past year, I did take a couple of community art classes mm -hmm. uh, through the local community center. I did uh, drawing mm -hmm. and I did uh, watercolor painting and that was a lot of fun. But I think that um, there is a value in a learning a lot of other artistic disciplines, which gives you an appreciation for all of them. Mm -hmm. Currently, I actually teach 3D art. It's not Ooh. my it's not my favorite thing to do. It's not like the love of my life, but it is something I feel again, like with cinematography, requires artistic ability and technical ability. Mm -hmm. And I love being able to make those two connect. It's funny because I've been trying to like 3D model stuff, mm -hmm. but all the drawing programs like Blender, um, I'm sick of making donuts. Honestly, that, yeah. that's, those tutorials are really time consuming, and because mm -hmm. it's on a computer and mm -hmm. I'm not familiar. I, I, I feel like with like learning, I, I've never done sculpting mm -hmm. in my whole life because it's kind of, like any art medium is kind of expensive to like mm -hmm. get into. Precisely. Um, so going right into digital sculpting is a bit difficult. I, I need to like touch my hands and like kind of get into it to mm -hmm. fully appreciate it. But I feel like I, every other month I feel like I get into a different like interest mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I can like start knitting. Samantha, you're not gonna knit. Yeah. You're, you're never gonna get into knitting. And like, it's like I would get into sewing. And like, my family is sews. Like, my mom used to be a seamstress. Mm -hmm. So I got really into that. But I'm like, it's really time consuming. Right. And it's like, the patterns are a bit confusing. And so yeah. But I feel it's really interesting that it's like, sorry, the only other cinematographer person I know is Derek. Hi, he's behind the, the camera, <laughs> cinematographing right now. Um, so I feel like that's really. The, there's so many different elements of cinematography that I didn't even think of where it's mm -hmm. like editing is in itself like a form of art where you have kind of like those what are those YouTube videos where it's like yeah this like video if it was a horror movie and just the editing alone mm -hmm. tells a different story right so yeah Nice. Yeah, no problem. I, I really enjoy um, any kind of any anything that involves a camera. So photography, uh, cinematography, mm -hmm. um, like even news editing, I think there's a certain art form to it. Like, yeah, it's like really consumable and mm -hmm. almost but that has to be the point. Like yeah. it has to be digestible and mm -hmm. it has to tell a specific story in like 30 mm -hmm. seconds or less or mm -hmm. however long that they have to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that um, <laughs> Every car is passing by. Yeah, and then it, like as soon as a car passes by, there goes my thought along with it. No, you know, no. Um, I think timing is a really important component of um, how you tell a story, mm -hmm. and I think cinematography, animation, uh, even news editing um, relies on that sense of timing in order to tell what they want to tell effectively. And I just I think that's really cool. So, um, another student question, what would you define as a success as an artist? Are you happy? That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, success as an artist is uh, really... It's really, like, subjective. It is subjective, and it's incredibly difficult to define if you're working on such a broad scale. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say, oh, you know, my success as an artist is because um, I was featured in X amount of magazines mm -hmm. or worked on these TV shows and stuff like that, but... Um, truly, when it comes to art, again, um, and this is my personal opinion, because art is such an integral part of who I am, mm -hmm. whether I'm happy or not or satisfied with my work is my indicator of success mm -hmm. as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, you, you could be a designer for so many different brands. Mm -hmm. You could create billboards that are seen by millions of people on the daily. Um, but unless you're happy, then what's the point? Yeah. Like, you have one life. It's like, you should... Sorry, this is, I, I was just saying like, oh, this is very cliche, but you should make the most of it. If you, 
as long as you're happy, I feel like you're, that's what your success is. I know that people define success as being rich mm-hmm. or having a lot of money or being famous. But I'm like, if those things make you happy, I guess, sure. But ultimately, it's kind of happiness is found within, found within you. Right, exactly. Which is why I admire people who do art as their career. Because mm-hmm. if art was a thing that made me money, I would probably... Start to enjoy it. it less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you would like, you put her exactly as I would have said it. Yeah. Yeah. Like if art's like if, if art's my job, I feel like I wouldn't like art as a job. It's right. my career, which is like more. It's a fundamental part of you. Exactly. So yeah. So I, I feel like I was gonna say something else, but sorry. I, I, I was going a whole like Disney tangent because I used to work at Disney and I used to be like a face painter at Disney, mm-hmm. uh, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. But face painting every single day. Um, it's not it's less right because you you have an expectation of like presenting yourself and kind of doing artwork on people and even though they enjoy it it's mm-hmm. just like well i don't want to draw a bunch of princess kitties over and over and over again right so, right but yeah but i completely wholeheartedly agree i feel like success is in the eye of the beholder I guess. for real for <laughs> real um what accomplishments or milestones need to be met to be successful again um like you said, I feel like people define success in different ways. Mm-hmm. But, sorry, go on. Oh, Let no, you're, you're, you didn't interrupt. You're asking a question, <laughs> and I am uh, still contemplating what I want to say. But I think that um, success milestones can be reached by um, asking yourself, like, does this fulfill me? How does it fulfill me? Uh, does it, and this isn't a requirement, mm-hmm. but, you know, for, for me, I like to think, um, does my work enrich other people's lives? Mm-hmm. If it does, then that means I've done my job. Mm-hmm. So, um bit of a tangent here but uh recently um i watched bochi the rock um i never watched it when it was coming out because i don't generally have the time to watch a show as it is coming out unless like i've been looking forward to it for ages but someone a friend of mine told me you know what you need to watch bochi the rock so i did and um in one of the episodes uh the main characters band uh they have a live show and it's their very first live show that they've ever had only like 10 people show up and they weren't even there to watch that specific show because they were opening, like the the main character's band was opening for another act. Mm -hmm. Um, And the characters were like, oh, you know, there are only 10 people in the audience. It wasn't, it wasn't very stellar by any means, but Mm -hmm. another character said something that really resonated with me. And it was, but all 10 of those people left happy. Mm-hmm. They, they were all smiling. And I think if I can make a difference in somebody else's life and make someone else happy with my work, like whether it's one to 10,000 people, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter because I made a difference in that one person's mm-hmm. life. So I think that's a great mark of success. But again, it's going to be different for everybody, but that's where I feel fulfilled. And I think an important part of learning what success means for you is to figure out what those milestones are for yourself. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank so you. I, I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, yeah. I also, uh, I've been in my free time of drawing uh, hours upon hours. I watched a lot of documentaries, and the, since we got we recently got Disney+, Plus, I've been watching a lot of Disney documentaries. Because as a kid, I loved watching director's commentary on stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because we didn't have cable, so I had to keep on, like, watching the same, like, video, like movies over and over, mm-hmm. and I would always listen to the director's commentary and the art commentary, mm-hmm. and it's so meaningful. There's another, like, my, another, like, thing of I just like I find as I define a success is that I love storytelling that reaches people. Mm-hmm. And this is why I love like the world of Allah, which is a whole like story, the world that they're created. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's been creating since he was young. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those stories, even though like, it was one of the main things we bond over where he made me read all of like chapters upon mm-hmm. chapters of his story that he's been creating. 
And the thing is, us being strangers and like me resonating with a lot of his storytelling was really meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you can like touch someone in that way where they think about your artwork and they kind of like, their artwork has made you happy. Like the thing is at conventions, um, people would just come up to my artwork and say, hey, I can't afford anything because we're in the pre post COVID times where everyone's money is a lot less disposable, which is totally fair. Um, but the people would come up to me and it's just like, yeah, your artwork, like, I love your artwork. It made me, like, happy. It, like, resonated with my soul. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's an amazing thing to hear. Right. That's something that you created had that effect on somebody. Yeah. And just, like, with Windswept, hi. We're oh. going back to Windswept. <laughs> um, it's just so refreshing to see something that's not so, like, doom and gloom and kind of, like, so I've been, like, watched, like, for some reason, a lot of the comics that have been, like, recommended to me or, like, I've been kind of, like, seeing are kind of really depressing. Mm-hmm. And because we live in such a kind of depressing world anyway, mm-hmm. I don't like delving into the media because I feel like it just kind of perpetuates like a self-fulfilling prophecy of despair. Right, right. And, you know, I have a problem with stories that are almost like on the opposite end of that spectrum where they're too saccharine sweet. Yeah. And everything is perfect and nothing is wrong. I think that doesn't speak to um, the common person because everybody has struggles. But I think the way you should look at your life struggles um, should be positive in Mm -hmm. in a way that... um, grows your character and that's kind of what I want to do with Winslow like of course nothing is perfect but if I can make my reader laugh or mm-hmm. give them something positive to think about mm-hmm. then I think I've done my job you did a great job thank you what accomplishments are mouse? Oh no, that's what same one. Van Gogh, or any artist that you like in parentheses is here with us today what would you ask or say to them you want to repeat the question yes Van Gogh or any artist that you or any artist you like is here with us today. What would you ask or say to them? I would ask, "Are you happy?" And I don't know how I would respond to whatever answer they would give, but that is something that I, I think about a lot whenever I see an mm-hmm. artist I admire. Are they fulfilled in the work that they do? Mm-hmm. And if not, then how can I help them feel better or about how, what can they do to achieve happiness mm-hmm. through their work? Because that's I think that's where. I think that's what I would want to be asked. Mm-hmm. Like, are you happy doing what you do? And if not, how can we how can we change things to where you are happy doing your work? Because I feel like in that regard, I feel like if Van Gogh was alive today, sorry, not to speak for Van Gogh, I don't yeah. know that guy. I, I think it's, to be fair, I also don't have a lot of Van Gogh knowledge to mm-hmm. be fair. Um, but I feel like I don't know if it would be super fulfilling if it's like, yeah, you know, your artwork has like stand the test of time, and it's like the most re- like regarded artwork and it's, some, it's in museums and it's mm-hmm. so regarded as like top tier mm-hmm. and you're one of the greats i don't know if that would mean anything to him mm-hmm. i feel like even though that's nice to hear mm-hmm. but if sorry i think that from what i know about van gogh is like he didn't live a great life right and a lot of like a lot of artists a lot of his artwork became more popular after he died right which is disheartening because mm-hmm. like now you can't now you only have this artwork mm-hmm. but you didn't appreciate them when they were alive right so it kind of sits poorly with me yeah. that they're only appreciated after they die. And I feel like art in general is so undervalued mm-hmm. even to this day with like all the AI art stuff and like even NF- like NFTs when they were like back, even though they were a scam, even back when they were like <laughs> more in the public eye. Right. It's really disheartening that even though people love artwork, mm-hmm. they refuse to acknowledge that it has a place in society mm-hmm. i hate that people refer to artists as like yeah they're never gonna, they're never gonna go anywhere they're kind of like they're gonna be broke and starving mm-hmm. and like all this and like 
I know some artists who like kind of revel in like the pain of being an artist. <laughs> yeah. So like it kind of fuels them in mm-hmm. a way and kind of like to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's just disheartening to like that's something that you created mm-hmm. is kind of cast aside like that. It's really it's just it's just hard to hear. So mm-hmm. even with Van Gogh, I'm like, your work's amazing. Mm-hmm. But it was under circumstances where you kind of had to, like, you weren't in the best mental headspace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I would have to agree with that. I think that, um, unfortunately, a lot of work does go underappreciated. And we see it all the time, like, even in Hollywood with uh, the way that um, wages are being distributed to the workers. Mm-hmm. They're barely making ends meet, and they're creating beautiful artwork for so many people to see. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that if you find personal fulfillment or you try to find personal fulfillment in external validation, which, again, external validation is really nice. I love it when people tell me that they like my work. It makes me feel good. Um, But if that's your sole source of uh, encouragement or if that's like the only thing that keeps you going, you're going to burn out so quickly and you're eventually going to hate what you used to love to do. Yeah. So that's why I ask, like, are you happy as an artist? I feel that's something that like all artists should ask themselves because Mm -hmm. the thing is, as a kid, so I ultimately, left, I feel like I had to grow back into falling in love with art, mm-hmm. and there was like a very brief, there was like a very like long period of time within like middle school, age when I started getting more serious about my schoolwork, mm-hmm. where I, even though I liked art, I feel like a lot of the times the reason I liked it was because people would tell me that my art's good. Right. People would be like, "Oh, you're a really talented artist. You're really great. Can you mm-hmm. draw me this, this, and this?" Mm-hmm. Um, all the art kid like dialogue options. Right. Unfortunately, um, and I feel like even as an adult, I had to be like, "Oh." So I, I noticed this like when like I started working like really annoying call center soul sucking jobs corporate jobs mm-hmm. where it's just like the way I would relax is by on my lunch break is that I would do art and it would mm-hmm. make me feel good mm-hmm. and I feel like it's like that kind of distinction it's like oh did you like art because of the praise or because you actually truly love right. it right um so next question the next question was what art medium do you use and what do you like about them but I think you already answered that question mm-hmm. um. Describe how art is important to society. Eloquent <laughs> question by Derek students. Um, why is art important to society? I, I heard that question earlier and I had a hard time thinking about a potential response to that because um, again, art is subjective, but also everything that you see around you is artwork. Mm-hmm. The way this, the, the chairs and the table yeah. were created, this is art. Somebody had to design it. Mm-hmm. Um, the building across the street, somebody mm-hmm. had to sit there and sketch what that building looked like mm-hmm. before they were able to construct it. And, um, like the clothes we wear, the, like yeah. everything has artistic value. You're right. And if um, everything was designed solely to be practical, then maybe we wouldn't enjoy it as much. Maybe mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, art is in everything that we touch. And to, um, to narrow it down to drawings and paintings would be disingenuous to the actual form mm-hmm. of art itself. Mm-hmm. So I think society would not be as enjoyable without art. Mm-hmm. I will say that. I agree. I feel like, because thinking, hi, I studied anthropology. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like because, like me, when I was younger and couldn't communicate with words with my family, and I communicated through artwork to, like, kind of describe, I feel like even, like, cave paintings, Mm -hmm. like, kind of pre-exist, like, language, which I feel is really interesting. I feel like people, like, want to make their mark in the world, and I feel that in itself is kind of showcase how a paramount art is mm-hmm. like the Eiffel Tower doesn't have to be there the mm-hmm. power piece doesn't have to be there the Empire State Building doesn't have to be there etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but I feel like 
what kind of world would we live in if everything was just a box? Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, not to talk trash about the modernist, like, kind of the, the modernist, like, aesthetic of, like, having everything be gray and kind of, like, square and kind of the modern architecture that we have. But I feel like it's really boring. It's really boring, just to say the least. I think whenever you really boil down to what art really is, uh, I believe it's communication. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to say? Even those modernists with their gray boxes and boring mm-hmm. architecture. They want, well, yeah, they want practicality. Yeah, and they're trying to communicate those ideas through their work, which is fine. You know what? Um, everything has a time and a place. Mm-hmm. But I think that, again, artists are undervalued, whether that be your, you know, your musicians, your mm-hmm. people designing chairs and tables, yeah. your, you know, your, the, the folks that make, yeah, 3D art, mm-hmm. like whether that be um, designing the chassis of a car or um, how a piece of shrubbery should look. Mm-hmm. I think all of that gets swept under the rug and doesn't get acknowledged as art. But I do think that because art is a, a form of communication, mm-hmm. it tells you a lot about the person who's creating it, or at least the person who designed it. Mm-hmm. And um, with art being communication, it's a way for you to connect with others, regardless however you believe. I think art is still gonna be how, um, it's gonna reveal a lot about the creator mm-hmm. to you. And also, sorry, going on that, sorry, we're going on art tangent. Right, right. Um, but I feel like, um, sorry, when I started, after like, I graduated high school, sorry, it was a little bit before I graduated high school, but I was looking at different colleges. And I remember there was a, I was also signing up for a bunch of art schools without my mom's knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, that she, and she took me to one of the like presentations. And they gave you, it was like for Ringling College of Art and Design. Mm-hmm. And it was really meaningful that they had an art book where, that even though I didn't go to that school, I ended up keeping until this day because mm-hmm. it was very, um, it was very meaningful to me because there's a whole list of art careers. Mm-hmm. And then during the presentation, they were talking about how, yeah, these aren't even all the art careers that might exist when you're in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, a bunch of careers here that didn't exist 20 years ago, like mm-hmm. app designing and, like, all those type of things. Um, like, the entire internet kind of artwork that you have to create, like, digital mm-hmm. art and such. And I feel like that was really, like, empowering to me because, like, as society, like, improves and, like, kind of evolves art is a constant mm-hmm. which i really like <sighs> i want to piggyback off of what you said and i know i've said that multiple <laughs> times but um in that same vein i received a piece of mail from full sail university over 10 years ago i never went to that school but what they sent me like i, I kept mm-hmm. because it just it impacted me so much and it was like a a mailer that said Lori, tell your story and there was like a picture of a director's chair with my name on it. Mm-hmm. And I know they personalize that for every single yeah. student that um, they wanted to come to their campus and give them money. But it may, I don't know, maybe it's because it rhymed or it was just that important to me to hear somebody wanted me to tell me, or t- somebody wanted me to tell my story. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a school that just wanted my money, I thought that was such a cool thing to hang on to. Mm-hmm. So I've kept that ever since. And it just, it meant a lot to me that, you know what, maybe I do want to tell my story. Maybe other people do want to hear it. I'm Maybe at the time I hadn't met those people yet, but I knew they were out there and I would meet them eventually. Mm-hmm. And I've hung on to that ever since. Nice. Oh, that was so lovely. Sorry, <laughs> I love talking about artwork. I feel like there's a bunch of different avenues. And because, sorry, and also while we were talking, you were talking, bringing up how like everything is art. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me that we have a anime and fashion panel where we talk about like, yeah, fashion is an expression of who you are. And mm-hmm. fashion, regardless of what you're wearing, communicates what you're feeling. Like mm-hmm. if you are wearing like, even if you wear sweatpants to go to the grocery store, it's like, yeah, you want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're wearing something glitzy and glammy. It's just like, yeah, you want it to look nice. You want mm-hmm. it to be show-stopping. You want it to be eye-catching. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is an interesting thing that people don't really take into consideration anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you manage a work-life balance as an artist? I don't. I uh, don't either. <laughs> Art and me are fused together. Exactly. You can't separate the two. It's not about like a separating like art versus um like the things that you do for your living like or the the things that you do to make money mm-hmm. it's kind of um it's a way of life mm-hmm. like y- you can't you can't be afraid to let the two intermingle because for many of us uh you can't separate the two you genuinely cannot mm-hmm. like i can't walk down the street without looking at like a sandwich shop sign without saying like wow i really like the way they did the lettering on that yeah you know you can't you, you can't separate the two it's funny because asia since she's a graphic design like she's just she's, just, she's like does everything graphic design for her interview too she's I, I, until hanging out with her, I didn't realize how much things are so paramount to craft designs. Like, yeah, the font looks jumbled, or whatever mm-hmm. the case is, that spacing looks off, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you saying that maybe rem- rem- reminded me of that. Right, right. So, I think to go back to, I think the, what the intention behind the question of how do you have a work life balance with art is just to have a healthy relationship with art. And by that, I mean, don't let it consume your every waking moment. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, of course, you know, I'll think about art as I'm just walking throughout my daily life or Mm -hmm. watching a video or seeing something on social media. That's always on the back of my mind. But if you if you look at it from too much of a technical perspective and you don't let yourself enjoy it, Mm -hmm. then that can really bog you down. Mm -hmm. And it's just, again, um, having a a good relationship with where you are in the world and how you view art. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that was the intent of the question, yeah. and I hope I answered that sufficiently. Yes, for sure. Because the thing is, um, with art, I just genuinely like art. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, whenever I'm not drawing, I'm just on Pinterest scrolling through a bunch of people's artwork to right. get inspiration. And like every all the videos that I watch and all the podcasts that I listen to and everything that kind of encapsulates my time mm-hmm. outside of like even when i'm like playing video games to decompress i'm making sure my island looks beautiful and aesthetically pleasing and perfect uh, video games are one of like the most um lucrative art forms and mm-hmm. i know like not everything's about money but those video games generate so much income because they are beautiful pieces mm-hmm. of artwork i know that derek was talks hi not to talk about derek and asia when they're not they're not being interviewed but they were talking about how it's a shame that because because most of the thing is coming to like streaming and like most like playing video games you kind of have to like get like it's like you own it online so you don't really own own the game right and the thing is it's like sad to see that there's not like an archive for like video games like there is for like movies and such mm-hmm. because that's just lost artwork that's like a whole person's like entire like decade of work that's just gone mm-hmm. which is like really just a shame overall um, but yes, the final question is, do you collaborate with other artists? I would love to collaborate with other artists. I don't, sometimes I will. Sometimes I'll um, come up, or my friends and I will think of a concept and we'll all draw the same concept. Mm-hmm. But um, I haven't collaborated um, as far as, here's a sketch. Can you line my sketch for me or can you color my lines for me um, in years? Um, but absolutely, if given the opportunity, I'd love to do that. But currently, I don't have any plans to do so. But um, I've thought about doing some uh, maybe windswept guest covers with a couple of my friends. I don't Ooh. really know how that would go, but um, it is something that is on the horizon of possibility that I just haven't thought out very well yet. That's fair. I feel like with art, because everyone's like art schedule is kind of a bit complicated. Right. I feel like it's kind of hard to like like even like meeting right now it's like time and place of like everything having to align to like mm-hmm. meet up and having everything be perfect mm-hmm. it's a bit more difficult as, as you age exactly you have other responsibilities mm-hmm. but if you ever need a collab person that would be amazing i would love to collaborate with entertainment stew even more so in the future <laughs> thanks for the interview sam well we'll see you guys next week in stirring the pot